We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and we're back on Inside the Huddle. Uh, today we're doing our Pinstripe Bowl preview show. Uh, we'll go into depth about Duke. We'll answer some fan questions. Uh, writer Nick Holmes will be along with us shortly. Um, so we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. Bowl game is on the 26th, so it's on Saturday. It is game week. Uh, so I know everybody's excited for it. Uh, hopefully uh, everybody's getting home safely from the basketball game. A 21-point uh, win, I believe, for IU. So uh, they follow up that win against Notre Dame uh, with a win against Kennesaw State, uh, and a win is a win. So uh, let's get down to football. Nick will be along here shortly. Um, he's in right now. Uh, Nick, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome back. It's you and I uh, uh, co-hosting tonight. How are you? Hey, it's TJ. Oh, hey, TJ. Uh, well, TJ's yep. here. That's yeah, I'll be along for some of the ride. Yes, I will be oh, along good. for some of the ride. Yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas to uh, all of our listeners or Happy Hanukkah or um, any other celebration you may wish to celebrate, but uh, happy holidays to everyone. Yes, even though the weather doesn't feel like it, uh, you know, I like my Christmas to be a little snowy. It looks like it's going to be 65 degrees. I know in New York it might be <laughs> 70. Uh, so when wow. you talk about, hey, going down to Florida for a bowl game, you know, it's 70-degree weather in New York, so, you know, no complaints. Uh, TJ, let's uh, talk to you. You put out your primer uh, this week. Uh, I haven't watched that much tape on Duke. Um, there's just not much that out there. There are, if you go on YouTube – and search Duke uh, 2015 football 60-minute games. I think they do have those, like, games in an hour. Uh, so um, tell us, what, what do you know? Yeah, Duke um, Duke presents a couple of uh, interesting challenges for Indiana. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the Blue Devils finished 7-5 and five on the season. Um, we talked about this some a couple weeks ago. They, they had a really strong start their season started out five and one um and then you know struggled uh really in the middle part of their season right up until the last week uh and i a part of that was due to an increase in difficulty in the schedule uh part of that was just and really it's been the second straight season that they had a bad november so um you know maybe you wonder about uh i don't know the training of the team or uh, maybe the depth of the team is not great because maybe injuries add up and their their record kind of falls apart uh, in November. But um, that happened again to them this year. They finished off four and four in the ACC. Really beat the teams that you would expect they that they would beat. 
um, and then lost to the teams you would expect them to lose to. So altogether, not not really anything surprising about Duke's season. Uh, you know, when you watch Duke, the first thing that jumps out is uh, the quarterback Thomas Sirk, um and the safety Jeremy Cash. Uh, Sirk, the best player in the offense. Cash, the best player in the defense. Fortunately for Indiana and unfortunately for Duke, Jeremy Cash, who is a uh, All-American and a unanimous uh, first-team All-ACC selection, is not going to be playing in this game. Uh, he has an injury, had surgery, and is out. Uh, so he's played his last game as a Duke Blue Devil. Um, if he gets cleared medically and uh, the NFL teams think that he's good to go, I would expect that he would go uh, on the first day of the NFL draft, so the first or second round uh, is what I would expect him. And I've seen him projected in the first round quite a few places. So very talented safety. Uh, he's very good against the run and in coverage. So they're going to miss him quite a bit. Uh, but Cirque is, uh, is going to play. Their quarterback is a dual-threat guy. Um, I think that he has a has a uh, better arm than maybe his percentage completion percentage numbers would suggest. Uh, but yeah, as far as mobility goes, uh, he's a mobile guy, but they don't call a lot of designed runs for him. His his rushing yards tend – he has over 500 on the year. Uh, his rushing yards tend to come from uh, people getting pressure on him and him scrambling or just everybody covered and him scrambling. He makes good decisions with the ball uh, when it comes to whether or not he should escape the pocket or – uh, if he should, you know, just throw the ball away. So he makes good decisions, doesn't take a lot of sacks. Uh, Duke has a top 10 offensive line uh, in regards to uh, adjusted sack rate, so it's going to be difficult for Indiana's pass rush to uh, get much pressure on Cirque, which, you know, we know has been kind of a problem for Indiana most of the season, even against bad offensive lines. So that'll be a major challenge for, uh, for Nick Mangieri and Zach Shaw and, uh, the Indiana defensive line, but Cirque uh, is really the guy to watch. He keys their offense. He's either going to be passing the ball or running the ball in the majority of their plays. They don't really have uh, what I would consider a good running back. They have a stable of okay running backs, guys that uh, I, I would anticipate won't give Indiana a ton of trouble unless the Hoosiers are so focused on uh limiting Cirque that they give up some big plays to running backs, which we've seen before uh, from the Indiana defense that they, they do occasionally give up some big runs. But for the most part, I wouldn't be too worried about the running backs in this game. Wide receiver-wise, they have four of them uh, that are pretty balanced. Cirque does a good job of spreading the ball around. They don't really have a number one wide receiver, um, but you know, kind of similar to Indiana, they have, they have multiple guys that do contribute in the passing game. Uh, they got a good target. He's 6'5". Um, it's a good red zone target for them. But for the most part, I I don't think that this is a great receiving core. I wasn't overly impressed with them. Um, but they are there, solid. And when you're you know going up against Indiana secondary, unless they've made some monumental leaps here in this uh, this few weeks of practice, I know that they're positive about the work they've put in, and I'm sure they've improved some, but. Uh, Duke probably feels pretty good about their ability to move the ball through the air. 
uh, and I think Indiana feels the same way. Um, teams tend to attack this Duke defense on the ground, uh, and I, I would anticipate Indiana to do that because they've been really good at it all season. But, uh, you know, Sammy, I told you, um, if the weather cooperates, which it appears it's going to, I fully expect Nate Sudfeld to easily go over 300 yards in his final IU game. Uh, I think Nate could have a really big day without cash in the secondary. Uh, I really, really like Indiana's offense to be able to put up some big numbers. Yeah, and, and you're you're hitting the nail on the head, TJ. Um, this uh, Duke offense, you know, it's it looks like a read option type of offense. They do throw out of it. Um, Wilson yeah. is very complimentary of their wide receivers. Um, you know, they're not as good as some of the wide receivers I use face and I use face of great ones uh, mm-hmm. uh, this year. So um, it, I, I think this is one of the better bowl matchups uh, of the big 10 games. It's probably the best bowl matchup of that day. Uh, we're also going to bring in Nick. Um, Nick's been, been waiting to talk for a little while. Um, uh, Nick, what are your, your initial thoughts on Duke? Yeah, I think the offense, like you said, TJ, it uh, it runs on Cirque, and uh, it's going to be up to, you know, the Indiana defensive line linebackers to, you know, slow him down. Because we saw early in the season against uh, Southern Illinois, I believe, the first game of the year, they got they got abused um, at times. Now, granted, mm-hmm. three or four of the Hoosiers' uh, top contributors along the front two lines were missing from that game, were absent. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, one, they – they adjust to that. Um, and then, two, like you mentioned, TJ, I'm sorry, Sammy, that, uh, you know, the secondaries had an extra three weeks. Um, hopefully they've gotten over some of their bumps and bruises. I know uh, a few of the guys that were out at the end of the year will not be back. Um, if I remember correctly, I think Andre Brown was in one of the um, – one of the practice videos that came up about a week ago, or at least there was a number 14 on defense. Now, whether numbers have changed since then, that that could be the case. So it would be nice to have his experience back there since he played the first eight or nine uh, games, got a few starts in there. So it will be interesting to see how, how he's come along, if he's healthy. And, and uh, you know, I I think uh, secondly, and this may be something that you're going to bring up, Sammy, since you're our your special teams guru, you're a big special teams guy, but they have a good um, they have a good kicker. And I don't know if that was something you were going to touch on. Either of you, I don't want to step on any toes. But, uh, you know, he, he was three for three from 50-plus uh, this year, Ross Martin, that is, and uh, 23 of 27 for the year, 37 of 37 extra points. So, I mean, if it comes down to a kicking game, it it, it could be a close one between him and uh, Griffin Oaks, who first time ever all-Big Ten kicker for the Hoosiers. I, I, I don't remember if we mentioned that the last time that we – we all got on here. So, yeah, special teams could play a, a pretty huge role, and it'll be nice to see if uh, if Mitchell Page can break open a, a couple long uh, punt returns. We've not gotten a lot out of the kick return game in recent weeks, but even getting that going just a little bit could uh, could make a difference. Yeah, and in terms of special teams, you know, this is where playing in a baseball stadium um, kind of makes it, you know, comes into play a little bit. Uh, you know, the wind at Yankee Stadium uh, is, I'm not a, a weatherman or anything, but, uh, you know, I've been there. It's always blowing off the river uh, there. So it, it's something that these guys have to get used to. The, the shape of the stadium, it, it swirls. Um, so hopefully they do uh, get down to it. But, you know, if, if the weather's nice, it, it shouldn't be a factor. But if you get some inclement weather, uh, maybe later in the day or later in the game, 
Um, you know, these guys have to figure it out, and both Oaks and the Duke kicker are, are very solid, and we'll see where they go. Um, also, they're kicking on grass. Oaks has had trouble this year kicking on grass. He saw his struggles at Michigan State. He missed two kicks at Purdue. Um, I'm not saying that it, it comes at the play, but it is different footing. Uh, they are practicing on a turf field, I believe. If they are practicing at Fordham, like Wilson said, they are practicing on a turf field. Um, so, you know, it's getting used to that footing. Um, I, you know, they cover up the infield with grass, so maybe that grass is loose a little bit. Uh, so so some, some of those things that you really don't think about um, going into the game could be a major major factor. Yeah, I, I think that special teams is going to be something I was going um, to hope you had a little bit of insight on there with Yankee Stadium, uh, and I you know, thanks for that information. Um, it's, it's going to be very interesting kind of subplot to see on punts and kicks, um, just because this is such a unique atmosphere and a unique stadium for these guys to be playing at. Uh, as everyone's well aware, I'm sure, Yankee Stadium, not a football stadium. Um, it, it, it's kind of a cool setup that they have. You can go to uh, go to the Pinstripe Bowl website and see kind of how they've uh, set things up, how they set the field up. It's, it's pretty cool to watch. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the wind plays into it. Uh, and I, I know that, or I imagine Indiana's hoping that it's not a very big factor because – I think that would hamper the Hoosiers more than it would uh, more than it would Duke, just with Indiana's uh, Indiana's capability to air it out. Um, I was trying to think when I was doing my research on Duke. I was trying to think of who um, who Thomas Cirk reminded me of that Indiana has played this year, and it's never a hundred percent accurate to make these kind of you know comparisons. But I think it does help provide a little bit of context. Just in playing style, uh, he reminds me a little bit of C.J. Bethard. Um, and this is, you know, Indiana played Bethard when he was not fully capable of scrambling as he normally is. Uh, he's had groin problems pretty much all season. Um, but uh, a mobile guy, but not somebody you would say is a quote-unquote scrambler. Uh, and I think Search the same way. He's mobile and makes good decisions with the ball. And when he decides to tuck it and run, he's capable of beating you because he makes good decisions. He finds a seam and goes, but he's not going to be real shifty with it. Um, you're not going to see him attempting to, you know, break three or four tackles to get a ton of extra yards. He's going to get what he can and go down or get out of bounds. And I think in that regard, he's a lot like Bethard. I don't think he has as accurate of, a, of an arm as uh, C.J. Bethard does. Um, his completion percentage was 60%. I wasn't impressed with his uh, with his long balls. I don't have any numbers on, you know, passes above 25 yards or anything like that. But uh, I, I was not overly impressed with his deep ball. Um, and kind of their their receivers aren't really built for that either. So um, I I think it's Bethard is probably the best that I can comparison I can give just to provide some context for Hoosier fans about the type of quarterback in the end is going up against a, a dual threat guy that would prefer to stay in the pocket, but if he sees the seam, he's going to take it and go. Um, and you're right, Nick, when you, when you bring up Mark Iannotti from Southern Illinois, um, 
you know, that dual threat quarterback has presented some problems for Indiana. And uh, I think we remember all too well, Jake Rudock, you know, turning out 30 plus yard carries multiple times on, on Indiana's defense. It's, you know, we just kind of sit there and shake our heads because Rudock didn't do that to anybody else. But, uh, it, that'll definitely be a subplot to watch when Indiana's on defense. Um, you know, Brian Knorr was very complimentary of this uh, this front line for Duke. Um, and Knorr, for those that don't know, does have quite a bit of experience against Duke. He was at Wake Forest, who, of course, plays the Blue Devils every year. So uh, he has a good comparison set for how this Duke team fares to some recent ones. And um, he, at least publicly, has said that it's a, as good an offensive line as he's seen up there. Their center was all ACC. Uh, and a couple of their other linemen were honorable mentions. So it's a pretty good offensive line, and, and Cirque knows how to operate behind it. So those are interesting challenges, and um, you guys were, were dead on with kind of Indiana needing to get a big play or two out of the, out of the return game. It, it, it's not an absolute, but I do think it, it could be uh, something that swings the game in Indiana's favor if they can get a big play like that. Uh, kind of unexpected points, and with Indiana's offense being as good as it is, any bonus to that uh, could be really crippling for the opponent. And you make a yeah, good point about. I was going to say that uh, bringing up just uh, you mentioned Wake Forest. You know the common opponent for for both IU and Duke is as you know just yeah. a point of comparison. Um, Wake Forest, you know Duke barely beat Wake Forest by six, and IU. <laughs> pretty much handled Wake Forest for a majority of their game, but um, barely squeaked it out in the end with a seven-point win. So just based on common opponent alone, it kind of shows you how close these two teams are. Now, granted, that was IU at week four, and Duke played Wake Forest in the final game of the season. So obviously I think IU's a better team in week 12 than they were against Wake Forest just based on based on all the the tough competition that they played, and they obviously played them at a high level week after week after week, really only losing maybe one or two games by a, by a considerable margin. So it'll just be interesting to see how, how that that plays out or if that's even an indicator of uh, what's to come on Saturday. Yeah, my my biggest thing is, you know, IU ended the game, ended the season on a, on a hot streak. They, they won their final two games. Uh, they came back on a on a 44-7 run against Maryland. Uh, they they uh, trounced Purdue. So how does how do they respond to this time off? How do you know have they stayed sharp? And, and like Wilson says, if you win if you win the bowl game, then your preparation was good. If you lose, then it's then it's poor, uh, and you want to change. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see because IU's offense, I think, over the last three games of the season was averaging 41 points a game or 42 points a game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that time off uh, helped or didn't help them. And uh, to me, this game's going to come down to the offense. It's the IU's offense and scoring enough points uh, as, as it has all season. Because, um, I mean, no, that's a, that's no, sorry. no disrespect no, to the defense. Uh, but go ahead, Nick. No, I was just going to say that's a, that's a really valid point is, you know, we've talked about, you know, how does this team fare whenever they, you know, early in the season they didn't have a game before, you know, 3.30 until game X of the season. So it was, how is this team going to respond? Well, now they've got a huge layout, layoff between the Purdue game and now, and people will say, well, Duke's also experiencing the th- same thing. The difference between IU and Duke is this is Duke's fourth 
uh, straight bowl game. And they've, mm-hmm. they've experienced this before in the past. Coach Cutcliffe has said, you know, you know, yeah, we haven't won any of these bowl games, but they were in all three of them. They were leading in, I think, to the fourth quarter on all these games. So this isn't this isn't a new new phenomenon for them. And you know, this senior class um, that Cutcliffe has, they've they've played in, in all these bowl games. So I think that's something you know, a game within the game is like this is old hat for them a little bit, and this is this is a new yeah, experience and, for for IU. Yeah, and, and I want to put a pin in that, Nick, because um, we're going to do a, a fan question segment uh, where one of the fans asked something about uh, the team being distracted with all these events going on uh, in New York. So I, I want to put a pin in that and get to that in a, in a little bit to where, you know, this is Duke's fourth straight bowl game and I use first um, since 2007. Uh, so, TJ, are you worried about the layoff as well? Yeah, I think any time you have something like this, which is so atypical of what you've experienced the rest of the season, uh, it is a cause for concern. I mean, athletes are, you know, by nature, they are creatures of habit. Um, and you get into a habit during the season of, you know, you have your game prep practices, you got your film studies, you got your, you know, your off days, your weightlifting days, um, training days, you've got, you've got all these, built-in things in your schedule that go so routine, whether it's a home game routine or an away game routine, and then all of a sudden, you know, your schedule stops and it it changes. And it changes for the period of, you know, in this case, three weeks of practice. Uh, And then you start a new schedule for game week, but that is completely different because, number one, it's the holidays, so that's one distraction. Um, number two, you just had some finals. So that's a distraction. And number three, you are playing at a neutral site uh, in New York at a baseball stadium with the off season coming up and a ton of events and festivities surrounding this game. And it's something that none of these guys have experienced before. So yeah, it's 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 definitely a concern. Uh, it's something that Duke does have to leg up on. Um, should it have any impact on the game? I mean, you'd like to say no, it shouldn't, that these guys should be able to, to focus, but in reality they're, you know, 18 to 22-year-old guys or 24 at the most, and um, distractions do occur. I mean, it's, so it's, it's, uh, it is a cause for concern. I don't – I'm not going to – like, if Indiana loses this game, I'm not going to come on to our wrap-up podcast and – say the Indiana lost because of the layoff. I'm not going to do that. Um, it's not going to be an excuse for me, and I don't think it will be for the coaching staff. And um, But, you know, I, I do think that it, it's going to play a, a small role in the game is, you know, in that first quarter who's able to shake off the rust quicker. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with you, TJ. You can't blame the layoff. I think actually it, it might help the Hoosiers. Because like, IU was banged up at the end of the year, and yes. um, yeah. having Especially three weeks defense. off, I, oh yeah, they they were down to. I mean, they moved Leon Thornton to corner, so I think mm-hmm. having these three weeks in between, where I think the first week or so, Wilson rested these veterans. Um, you know, I talked to Marcus Oliver um, when they announced that they were going to the um, the pinstripe bowl, and he said, this is the freshest I've felt since August. So I think that, that, <clears throat> that's a good thing because, you know, 
we've seen this defense play okay in spurts um, when they're fresh. And, you know, now they have fresh legs. They're healed up a little bit. Um, you're going to get some guys in the secondary back. You've got these young guys who, um, another thing is these young guys are now taking first-team reps. You have guys who, you know, were playing corner who were scout team guys running the other the opposition's defense uh, where they don't know IU's defense. And, that, and it's, you know, you, you can't blame Wilson, the coach. That Every football coach does that. They have scout team players. They run the opposition's plays. And then if you throw them into – you know, into game game reps, they don't know the philosophy around the defense because they're concentrating so hard on giving the offense the best look that they can. Um, that mm-hmm. it just, you know, now that they have first-team reps, they understand the defense better. Um, they know where to be. So I, I expect to see an, an improved defense, a refreshed defense. Um, are they going to pitch a shutout? No. I, I, it's unrealistic to expect that, but I expect them to play – better than they have um, since since really the, the beginning of the season. I know that they didn't play well against Southern Illinois, but um, there have been spurts where they, they played really good defense at times, and I think you're going to mm-hmm. see more of that on Saturday. I would, so, I would um, personally just want to see you – know, I was going to say, you know, uh, like you said, you know, shutouts, not it, it's, you know, not realistic to believe, but what I would like to see – from the first four or five games this season is just a more opportunistic defense. You know, early on in the year, they were constantly mm-hmm. forcing turnovers. And that that kind of wavered throughout the year. Obviously, we're playing better talent, uh, better quarterbacks who are um, more careful with the ball. But that, that's something that I'd really like to see come up um, this weekend. Now, obviously, like you mentioned, uh, Sammy Cirque, um doesn't turn the ball over a lot. He only has thrown six picks on the season. So I don't know where it's going to come from, but that would definitely be an area, just like special teams, that you could get a leg up on the uh, the opposition by, you know, forcing a couple fumbles. Uh, we obviously know Marcus Oliver's quite adept at doing that. Or uh, maybe one of the sa- young safeties uh, making a play on the ball. Yeah, yeah that's and you're right, point. Nick, and I'm yep. glad, glad you brought that up because some of those early games, they were one on turnovers. Um, you think of, of Western Kentucky where Jonathan Crawford yeah. picked up two straight passes. FIU, of course, where Jameel Cook returned it for a touchdown. Uh, Tony Fields really put the dagger in the heart of, of Wake Forest with the pick six, too. Mm-hmm. And then he saw it disappear. Um, so you're spot on, Nick. I, I, I love that point. Um, but let's get down before we get to, to fan questions. Uh, matchups to watch. Um, TJ, we'll start with you. What is your, your matchup to watch? Uh, when Duke has the ball, I'm going to go with uh, Indiana's front seven, and I will focus on the linebackers uh, against Thomas Sirk. Um, I think it's going to be up to them to contain his runs. Uh, I think if Indiana can prevent Sirk from picking up big chunks of yards when he scrambles, uh, I really like Indiana's defense to be able to hold Duke uh, down below 30 points, which I know is not some great accomplishment, but I think – the goal is to win the game, and I think holding Duke under 30 is going to be more than enough to give Indiana the win. Uh, on When Indiana has the ball, I'm going to go with uh, Nate Sudfeld in his final game against the Duke secondary without Jeremy or, uh, without Cash. Um, like I said earlier, I, I really envision Sudfeld having a big game. Um, it would not surprise me at all to see a pair of Indiana receivers go over 200 yards 
whether it be Page and Jones or uh, Page and Cobbs or Jones and Cobbs or uh, that's that's probably it. But um, I expect a pair of Indiana receivers to go over 100 yards and for Sudfeld to to go over 300. I really like the matchup he has against the secondary of Duke. Yeah, I I I, I agree. That, that's a good matchup to watch. Uh, Nick, how about you? You know, I, you make a great point, TJ, in that, you know, none of the Duke wide receivers really jump off the page. But as we've seen uh, throughout the season, um, wide receivers and quarterbacks, for that matter, have had some of their biggest games against against IU's uh, young secondary. So yep. the matchup that I'm, I'm interested in, I'm just picking out one of uh, the four wide receivers that seem to be the most reliable. And this is a name that, uh, if you're a college football fan, you'll definitely recognize Max McCaffrey, his brother, Christian at uh, Stanford, but Max had a pretty good year this year, and I'd like to see whoever whoever lines up against him, whether it's Rashad Fant or Tyler Green or Thornton or Brown, wherever it is, you know, it would be great to you know just um, just kind of slow that down. Um, that's an that's an area obviously of concern for for the team, mm-hmm. um, and you know on offense, you know, there's not one particular um, one particular matchup that I'm that I've keyed in on. I think there's a lot of things IU can do against Duke's defense, especially without, like you guys have both aforementioned, that cash being out. Um, yeah, I'd like to see whoever's at running back have a 100-yard day, uh, whether that be Redding, whether that be Howard. Um, whoever's back there, just, just continue to churn out the yards. I'd like to see, you know, five, five-and-a-half yards per carry. I think that would be a really good sign of, of things to come because I know the the passing game should be there. It would just be nice that if if IU is able to get it, jump up early to keep that clock running with a reliable, um, efficient, effective running game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll go my matchups to watch. Nick, you kind of stole my my running backs one, uh, but on offense, I, I'll go hand in hand with you. Indiana's offensive line against uh, Duke's, uh, you know, defensive line and, and linebackers. You know, typically the ACC usually has smaller. Uh, quicker uh, linemen on defense uh, as opposed to the Big Ten. I use uh, Feeney and Jason Spriggs have been hyped so much, um, and it's, it is worth noting that, that they do deserve all the hype, but they've been hyped so much uh, since the end of the season with their All-Americans uh, awards and all of that stuff and their press conferences with, with Coach Fry, who's done a tremendous job. So I'd like to see these guys, uh, live up to that hype like they have uh, for most of the season, I'd say all of the season, um, and continue just just pounding people into submission, um, you know, in that running game, uh, in pass protection, uh, keep Sudfeld clean. So, you know, I'm really going to be looking at, at the line play here. These, this is a national stage. Uh, it's, you know, the day after Christmas, uh, people are probably sick of their families by then. And, you know, any excuse to, to sit in front of the TV and watch football, people will use. So, you know, the eyes eyes of the college football world will be on IU and Duke. So, you know, seeing how that, that line plays uh, is definitely <coughs> – excuse me is, – is definitely my key on offense. On, on defense, uh, the matchup I want to watch, I want to see how these uh, big Duke tight ends uh, do against IU's linebackers. All year, IU's had, um, had, have had issues – guarding uh, tight ends. You saw it against Southern Illinois. Um, they had a 6-7 tight end. Uh, FIU, they did a decent job. Um, 
Western Kentucky, uh, Tyler Higby killed them. You saw Jake Buck kill him against Michigan. Um, you know, so that, that matchup with the tight end is going to be, be huge. How does Marcus Oliver and TJ Simmons uh, match up against these tight ends that have given IU such a problem? So um, is there anything else uh, you guys want to add before we get into, uh, into fan questions? I will just add one note that probably will not have an impact on the game, but um, it is worth mentioning that Duke's offensive coordinator um, has been hired as the East Carolina head coach, so he is the new coach of the Pirates. Uh, He is still going to be calling this game, so he will take over at East Carolina after this game finishes. Um, But, you know, it's worth keeping in the back of your mind that uh, Duke's offensive coordinator is getting ready to make the jump to head coach. So um, if you like to play calling, then East Carolina has that to look forward to. If you think it's atrocious, then maybe they made a bad hire. I don't know. But uh, I think it's worth worth mentioning that maybe he's got, you know, kind of one foot out the door during bowl preparation. We'll see. One thing that I kind Nick, of how about uh, you? brought up. Yeah, the one thing that I kind of brought up, and you guys may have mentioned this, Right on, right before I got on, is you know, I used not won a bowl game in I believe it's how many 20, 22 years? Is it 22? I don't remember. 24. Uh, 19, 1991 was the last year. Well, Copper you know, bowl. Duke's not Duke's not won a bowl game since 1961, so obviously they have quite a bit riding on this. Granted, they've they've been in more bowl games recently, but they've been on a longer uh losing streak. So obviously that's uh that's something that's at the front of their minds and whether that is any more reason why they'd want to win, I'm not sure, but that's something else to just something else to keep in mind. Yeah, and, and that's you know, these <coughs> bowl streaks, you know, Duke's had a, a nice run. This is their fourth straight game and, and you can see there are a lot of similarities in the pro uh, in, in, in the programs. And, um, you know, you can look at Duke and look what Coach Cutcliffe has done and, and Kevin Wilson and his staff have so much respect for them. Um, and, and you saw they were patient there. They they went through four or five years where, you know, they were back and forth, bouncing between three and five wins. And now they've finally broken through where they're getting six, seven wins. And it's really where IU is striving to be, um, especially at a, at a basketball-driven school where, you know, you guys know as as well as I do, it was hard finding some Duke content out there. Um, you know, they don't have a site like, like Hoosier Huddle. Um, so it, it was hard finding some Duke football content out there. So, you know, it, they're, you know, almost built in the same mold as far as it's taking a backdoor to basketball, but Duke has found a way to be successful, and that's what IU wants to be. Uh, but anyway, let's get into uh, some fan questions. I put out on Twitter earlier, we did get um, some responses. Um, you know, Our first question, we'll get back into Duke. Um, we'll expand on it a little bit. I think we talked about it. But from uh, Adam Brenner, um, Adam asked, uh, don't know a lot about Duke. Uh, what's their offensive game plan uh, going to be, obviously, other than scoring more points than the other team, which is always my key to the game. Uh, for IU is outscoring the opponent because, um, you know, you get what you pay for at Hoosier Huddle, and that's expert analysis right there is score more points than the other team. Uh, but 
but TJ, what what is Duke's strategy uh, going to be against IU? Is it going after the secondary? Uh, is it you know exploiting the tight end linebackers matchup? Uh, what are they mm-hmm. going to look? You know, what are they going to look like? Sure. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I think Thomas Sirk is their best weapon. Uh, I think they're going to trust the ball in his hands <clears throat> against Indiana secondary. Uh, part of that is that I don't think they have a ton of faith. Uh, in the playmaking ability, they're running backs. They're kind of solid guys that don't really pop. Um, so I, I would in- anticipate their game plan being get the ball into Thomas Sirk's hands, let him decide, am I going to throw it, am I going to run it? Uh, if I'm guessing, I would say that he will see some things he likes against Indiana secondary and attempt to get the ball to one of those four receivers or one of his tight ends uh, and spread the ball around a little bit. If he finds one that he particularly likes, you might see him, and I think Max McCaffrey is probably the most likely uh, most likely guy to get the bulk of the targets if anybody does. I anticipate Fant being on him um, for the majority of the game. Uh so I think that what you're going to see is a lot of design passes that give the option to run the ball. Uh, Thomas Sirk, most of his runs do come where he is tucking the ball and taking off in between the tackles uh, when he doesn't see a route or an open receiver that he likes. So that's, I think that's going to be the bulk of what you see. Um, when you do see runs, they're usually done out of a read option. Um where Cirque is either going to keep the ball himself or hand it off. Indiana's actually done fairly well against that since the first week of the season. I haven't seen it a lot in the Big Ten, but they have done pretty well against it, but they have seen it in limited action. So, um, yeah, uh, Wake Forest read the, ran that read option, and they, they took, yeah. I, I think it was Hinton was the name of their quarterback, and they took Hinton out of the game, I think, uh, Scales or... Uh, Oliver, or one of the linebackers, put a lick on him, and you know Hinton was a smaller guy. Cirque is six five, so it's it's going to take quite a lick to knock him out. But um, you're, you're right, Indiana has looked okay against that read option. Um, you know, for from aside from that that first game, TJ. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that that's going to be the. It, I really think that Indiana's secondary is going to be the one that shoulders the burden as to whether or not Indiana's defense shows a lot of improvement or not. Um, they had the most room to improve. They had the most youth that you would expect to improve in this practice period. Um, so I, I guess it's going to be interesting to see, number one, which personnel gets out there for the snaps, and then number two, how they perform. Um, you know, are going to see guys like Tyler Green, Leon Thornton, um, Andre Brown, if he if he plays, uh, we're going to see them make a jump with this extra practice uh, to where they're no longer playing like freshmen, or are we going to see you know the continued youth mistakes that we saw throughout the season? Um, you know, we're going to see another jump up in quality from Jonathan Crawford. Um, I don't know. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see, but I think that that's going to be the the thing to watch in offense is Duke attempting to pick on Indiana secondary whether or not the Hoosiers can, can fight back and uh, provide some resistance is kind of what's going to determine how close this game is, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and another point I wanted to add in, TJ, 
it is a bowl game. You're going to see some trick plays. Uh, so don't be sure. shocked if, if Cutcliffe pulls something out of the hat uh, to steal a line from the water boy. It's the last game of the season. Why <laughs> hold anything back? Um, so, uh, you know, you, you might see some trick plays on both sides. Um, Nick, was there anything you wanted to add? No, I'll, def- I'll defer to the expert on this. I think, uh, you know, Cirque obviously poses the the biggest issue for the uh, IU defense as a whole, and it's all just going to come down to um, slowing down the passing attack. Uh, he had two of his better games to end the season against, uh, I believe it was Virginia and uh, Wake Forest. Uh, three touchdown passes in total, one pick. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's really largely going to come down to the secondary versus their wide receivers quarterback, but then at the same time we've We've mentioned it all year. No better friend to a secondary than a than a good pass rush. And uh, so Nick Mangieri, Zach Shaw in the final games as Hoosiers, I imagine they'll have their ears pinned back and are quite excited to get in that backfield. Yeah. And, and Nick, the next question uh, I'm going <coughs> to uh, pose to you, it's from Jeff Showalter. He's a, uh, a big supporter of Hoosier Huddle. I get tweets from him all the time. Uh, some of them are appropriate, some of them are not, but I, I love them nonetheless. Um, so, but Jeff asks, uh, do you foresee any surprise recruiting wins? Uh, you know, Wilson's had a, a pretty good early 2015, um, and he's even gotten some guys in, into the 2017 class. But are there any surprises um, that may happen uh, in your eyes, Nick? Well, you know, I mean, there's still roughly six or seven. Um, early in the season, I thought they'd have around 20 um, scholarships available, and it appears to be appears to be that way that they'll have that many. Um, they still have six or seven, eight spots left in this class, and there are definitely some um, issues uh, that I think that they're going to want to cover. I definitely like to add a. I, I think they would like to add another uh, tight end in uh, this class. So. I'm not sure where that'd come from. There's a there's a couple kids out in uh, Missouri and um, Illinois that they've had their eye on, and I definitely think another running back since um, since the Flakes commitment fell through. Um, there's definitely another running back I'm sure on their their radar. Uh, Trey Rogus was a name that uh, I had heard through the grapevine. Um, he does not have an offer at this point. However, um, that very well could be um, in the making. It's hard to say, obviously. Um, another wide receiver, um, and I I think, you know, defensive linemen are also kind of need to be a priority. You've got uh, Ralph Green entering his final season next year, and you'll have uh, Darius Latham also entering his finer, final season. So you're going to lose a lot of um, talent on the interior defensive line. So there's, there's, um, there's definitely a swan up in the, from Center Grove is, is a name to keep a, an eye on. Obviously, he's uh, very interested in, it uh, looks like Stanford and Northwestern seem to be amongst the top for him, but IU's not too far behind, so there's some work to be done there. His brother actually actually is a walk-on defensive back, uh, Mario, so um, that's that's another name. As far as surprises, it's, you know, in, in years past, um, come late January, early February, there are some names that kind of come out of nowhere. Um, at this point, I couldn't pinpoint who that would be, but um, if IU, I'm not saying that a win on Saturday would have a drastic um, impact on recruiting, but at the same time, uh, kids uh, take notice when you when you when they see you uh, win on the national TV and, and 
against another Power Five conference. So that would be uh, something. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, Coach Wilson's done a really good job down the uh, down the stretch in recruiting, flipping guys. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, even some of maybe these Indiana kids that are committed to other schools, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe one or two of them could end up in Bloomington next year. Yeah, you could definitely, uh, you know, I, I'd say Colin Miller, but that's not really a surprise. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been very high on you. It's it's more of a surprise that he hasn't committed to IU yet. Um, <clears throat> another guy I would keep an eye on after talking uh, with Lyndon and and talking with Matt uh, a little bit on the side is, is Craig Watts. You know, he's a guy who is committed to Colorado. Uh, he's taking mm-hmm. his official visits. I, I believe he took an official to IU. I'm not 100% sure. But that's a guy that, that you know, IU can flip, and it's at a need position at safety. Um, and that would that would be a surprise. That would be a surprise get for me um, yep. if I if I had to go uh, straight on surprise. That that would be a surprise get is Craig Watts. I'm not saying that he's going to commit to IU, but uh, they still have a shot. And and um, you know he, he's a four star safety out of out of the Largo area, um, out of the Pinellas County area actually. Um, and so that that would that would be a, a terrific get for IU, and and as you mentioned, Nick Swan, uh, Javon Swan, up in uh, up in Indianapolis would be a monster get for IU. Uh, you know he's apparently he's loving the recruiting process, and who wouldn't? You know everybody wants to be wanted, and it's nice having uh, you know people roll out the red carpet for you. And Indiana's still in the mix. Um, also, Key Wetzel. Uh, from down in Florida, mm-hmm. has IU in his top five, and that would be a nice get as well. Um, so th- there, there could be some, some surprises. Can we call it? I don't know. If you could call these surprise things, uh, let me know because um, yeah. we'd we'd love to have you aboard. Um, and finally, uh, the final question uh, we have it's from Tom uh, Sparenberger. Um, uh, he's asking a. You know, how best does Coach Wilson and the staff keep the team focused and on task um, at the task at hand of the bowl game uh, with all the events and distractions that New York City offers? <clears throat> I'll, I'll start off here. I'm not uh, sure what Wilson's going to do specifically. I know he knows how to uh, keep his team focused. He had a lot of distractions this year. Um, you had the whole contract negotiation things that's still going on. Um, they had a six-game losing streak. You had the Antonio Allen deal. Um, you had all these suspensions at the beginning of the year, and they, they stayed pretty focused and on task. As far as as uh, bowl games go, you know, they have several events uh, going on. I think they're at a comedy club tonight based on Instagram, uh, and they're out and about New York City and enjoying themselves. Now I'm, I'm sure the the coaching staff has gone out. You know, be responsible. Don't get in trouble. Um, you know, stay out of some of the more dangerous areas of the city. Uh, stuff like that. Don't you know? Go out to the bars till 3 a.m. So I'm sure they've made it clear that it is a business trip. To me, uh, the biggest hurdle for them, I, I think, is their their visit on Christmas Day to the to the 9/11 memorial. Um, you know, it's it's more of a, a, a sombering trip. Uh, I'm sure Ke- uh, Coach Wilson has something planned, a, a speech or something about it. Um, now, it is the day before the game. 
you know, it's, as he said, only 30 people on this team, I believe, have been to New York. So it's something that this is the generation that, that is the 9-11 generation. These kids were, you know, in grade school when this happened. And, and to go there, it, it makes it real. And that could have a real impact. And both teams are going to do it. Uh, and, and be there. So it could have a real impact on, on emotions, um, and, and you could be emotionally drained and stuff like that. But that that's the one thing that, you know, I'm glad they're going. I'm glad they're going on Christmas Day. It's something that you need to do if you haven't done it. Um, but it, it's something that it, it might be hard to refocus after. Um, but everybody has their own. But, you know, are, are there any strategies, um, TJ, that, that, that you think the coaching staff is, is definitely important? Uh, I, I actually have to sign off a little bit early. Um, I appreciate uh, always being on. Um, I just uh, I'll close with uh, I don't know if we're doing predictions or not, but I, I do feel pretty confident that Indiana um, Indiana is going to be able to put up enough points on Duke uh, to come out with something resembling like a 38-27 victory. Um, so I'll let you guys uh, let you guys field that last question. Uh, we will have. Uh, we'll have all the post-game coverage, and we'll have a post-game show and um, maybe a little preview of uh, some of the other Big Ten teams that are going to be playing and what impacts any of the bowl results may have on perception or recruiting or anything like that. We'll have all that stuff later, um, you know, and I'll, I'll do my part, I know. And, um, you know, it's been a great 2015, so uh to all the listeners out there for for sticking with us throughout the season and um, hopefully everyone enjoys the bowl game and just remember not to take this for granted. Uh, you know, we, we would love to think that it's going to become a routine thing, but we never know. And um, I know I'll be enjoying uh, Indiana being in a bowl game because who knows when it will happen again. So uh, thanks guys. Merry Christmas to both of you. And we'll, we'll talk soon. Yep. Thank thanks, you. TJ. Thanks for jumping on while you could and, and uh, Merry Christmas uh, to you and your family. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Nick. Uh, let, let's get back to that question of how, if if you were the coach, what do you tell your players going into a bowl game where you haven't been? This is something you, you brought up a little earlier. This is Duke's fourth straight bowl game. It's something that they could be used to. So you know, talk a little bit about Indiana, and then talk about the advantages of being there before. Well, I mean, there's definitely definitely from Duke's perspective. Like I said, this is old hat. They've been there. They've done that. They know, you know, they know what the preparations are like. They know what they get once they get there, um, what some of the activities will be, or, you know, it's 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 obviously different than being in your home college town. There are the potential for more distractions, but at the same time, I believe there's potential for less distractions because you're not around as many other kids your age. You're just around your teammates for the most part. I think for Coach Wilson and and fans realize this too. This hasn't happened very often, and this is what this this IU's team, um, which Coach Wilson has said, you know, they they stuck with it, um, they've bought in totally. This is what they worked for for 365 days, or since the season before it ended. This is what they have aimed for. This is what they have worked for. Um, this is what all their preparation has led up to. And I mentioned, you know, I don't think. Um, based on the senior leaders on this team, and we spoke to quite a few of them through the year, you could tell that they were engaged, that this was 
this was the pinnacle of many of these guys' career. Um, this was Spriggs last year. This is Mangieri's last year. Cooper, Sudfeld, I can go through the list of all the great senior leaders on this team, and, and I don't think there are very many very many players on this team that will take this opportunity for granted because they know that, you know, IU has has struggled mightily in the past in making it to the postseason. So I don't think um, – I would like to think that, um, you know, one, one the, the senior leaders are going to keep this team grounded, um, keep their head um, on straight. And Coach Wilson at the same time, like I said, you know, when they were going through their losing streak, this team continued to come out and compete week after week after week when they very easily could have hung their head. So I think I would be awfully surprised if if they don't keep that same mentality right here when the finish line is right in front of them, the opportunity to to make history at Indiana. So I don't I don't know how hard of a sell it is for Coach Wilson and staff to his to his younger players on the team that, hey guys, this is what we've worked for. This is what we're what we've aimed for. Let's let's not lose focus here, right here at the end. Yeah, exactly. I think you're spot on. And and Nick, uh, we we have talked to them all year, and the the most locked in I've seen them uh, was. Uh, you know, going into Purdue, I walked out of um, that press availability with Matt, and I said these guys are locked in, um, and you, and you could tell. And you know, these these seniors, they've been locked in all year. As you said, there have been times in the past where maybe those seniors give up, and, and IU had plenty of chances to say, and you, nobody would blame them. They had plenty of chances to say, "Hey, we're done. Um, I don't want to do this anymore. We're on a six-game losing streak." We blew a mm-hmm. 20, 25-point lead to Rutgers. There have been plenty of opportunities where they said, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. And there have been plenty of seasons where people have uh, done that in the past. But credit Wilson, credit the staff, and credit the seniors for keeping this team. They they, they are on a mission to, to get that bowl win, I, and that mission's not finished yet. And they know it. They know, you know some teams are just happy to go to a bowl game um, I think Wilson is, has driven that point home with these seniors, with these players that we're not we're not happy with just the bowl game. We want to come out of here. We have the opportunity for a winning season uh, for the first time since '07. Uh, and as, as as silly as some of these bowl games are, and and I love the bowl games. I absolutely mm-hmm. do because I cannot get enough college football. But you know, in the grand scheme of trophies in life. The, the George M. Steinbrenner Trophy is, you know, it's the George M. Steinbrenner Trophy. You, you know, you could probably ask five out of ten people, and and ninety percent, you know, fifty percent of them won't won't know what it is. Um, you know, I, I would even say if nine out of the ten people won't know what it is, but it's another thing that you can. It's tangible evidence of success, and just like the bucket, and just like the spittoon. Um, it's tangible evidence of success, and it's something you could bring back to Bloomington. It's something you could show your fans, show recruits, put in the in the trophy case, and and, and that's what I think that Wilson preaches. And you know, you may disagree with some of Wilson's calls on the field or, or how he handles some things, uh, but the one thing you can't dispute is that this team plays for him, and they play for him, they play for each other, and. You know, even talking to Mitchell Page last week when I, we were, I was going over the season with him, I was like, man, I didn't even realize we're down. I forgot that we're down 21-3 at Maryland. 
And mm-hmm. I asked him, you know, you know, I, I, I've been watching this team for since 02. You know, how close it was that to, to, you know, would you have been surprised if this team was, came out of there with a 55-10 loss? He said, yeah, because that's not who we are. Um, so, you know, this team is locked in, and, and credit the, these seniors, and, and credit Mitchell Page. And, man, I, I can't say enough good things about that that guy. Uh, so, uh, Nick, let's get into some predictions real quick. Uh, TJ gave us his, um, I believe it was 35-27 or 34-27, but it was an IU victory. What what are your predictions? Predictions, not only score, but how you see this game going. You know, I think it's I think it's tight early. I think the first half's going to be a you know a back and forth uh, contest. But then once again in the third quarter, IU's defense uh, for whatever reason turns it up in that third quarter, and IU starts pulling away. Um, the running game gets back on track. So I think IU puts up 42, and I think uh, they give up 28. I think they give up probably 21 in that first half, and then they give up. They spot seven in the fourth quarter when the when the game is looks like it's in IU's hands. Yeah, uh, you know what? Uh, I I do I agree with everybody. I think this is one of the better uh, bowl games. Uh, I think IU's favored by two right now. I don't know if those injuries to Cash have ha brought in, but I think it is going to be a close game. IU's played nothing really but close games uh, for most of the year. Um, and I think these are two opponents that want this win. Uh, you, you mentioned Duke hasn't won a bowl game since 61. IU hasn't won a bowl game since 91. They're looking for a winning season. Um, so, you know, it, it's they're going to give their A effort. And that this is exactly what this bowl game should be. It's not a mismatch. Uh, it's an evenly matched game. And, and I think, I, you know, I, I'm going to have to say IU is going to win, uh, just just because that'd be bad for business if I said they were going to lose. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I could see this being a shootout, uh, you know, somewhere you know, 45, 38, or, or something along those lines. Yeah, I think yeah, I think regardless of you know what the what the score is, it's going to be an entertaining entertaining matchup. Just for one, we haven't seen them play in about four weeks now, so obviously we're chomping at the bit to see him play again. But obviously this this game just holds a lot more meaning, like you said. Um, neither team has won a bowl game in, in quite some time. Um, and then on top of that, it, it, it's just a great um, opportunity to showcase your program on a national stage, which I used to have a few opportunities to do that this year. You know, they played, I believe they played Ohio State on national TV, Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, and they came up empty in all four instances, and it would be great to come up with a win when more people are paying ten, paying attention than they did in some of the earlier uh, conference games or in the bucket game. Not a conference yeah, game, I, I, it's okay. Um, yeah, this is just another opportunity for IU to showcase where they are as a program. Um, but anyway, um, we'll have more coverage on it. Nick, you have your, your by-the-numbers piece. Uh, coming out this week. Uh, We'll have more coverage on Duke. Uh, If you want to watch the games, go on YouTube, uh, search Duke uh, 2015 Football 60 Minutes. They have the shortened versions of the games. I think they have them all. Um, The ACC network is not as awesome as the Big Ten network where they have all the the games uh, archived uh, for, you know, to, to watch back. Uh, but Nick, thanks for joining us co-hosting tonight. Uh, appreciate all you do. 
Uh, have a good good Christmas, and I, I wish you were coming to New York with us. Hey, thanks for having me on, Sammy, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to write about my uh, favorite college football team, and I look forward to hearing your report from uh, from your favorite baseball stadium. All right. Uh, well, have a good night, Nick. Merry Christmas. Um, I wish your family the best as well. So hopefully you get some uh, some cool gifts and, and get to watch the, the entire game on Saturday. Thanks again. All right, that'll do it for our Pinstripe Bowl preview show. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a good game. The game's on Saturday the 26th. It's at 3.30. The game is on ABC, so it's a nationally televised game. Um, I use favored right now by, by two points. Uh, I believe tickets are still available. You can get student tickets if you're an IU student for $10. Uh, if you go to pinstripebowl.com, uh, you can get your uh, general – you know, general seating, uh, general uh, audience tickets there as well. I look forward to being in New York, uh, covering the game uh, as a native New Yorker, being at Yankee Stadium in the press, in the press box is, is going to be awesome. I expect to see a lot of uh, Hoosier fans out there. Don't be afraid to, to tweet at me. Uh, let me know if you're tailgating um, and, and the weather's supposed to be good. So enjoy the trip, travel safe, and, and have a Merry Christmas. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. 
Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Mm -hmm. 